Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. February 25th, 2024, and that means there's 10 months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll talk about that special time leading up to Christmas, Advent. We'll also give you the recipe for a fun snack that you can customize with holiday style. We've got the return of Who Sang It Best, and special guest Scott from the Holly Jolly X Masu podcast will be here to give us his five golden things. Okay, let's start the show! Welcome, Yule Believers, to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, the podcast all about Christmas history, Christmas traditions, Christmas media, and everything else Christmas. I'm your host and guy who finally took his Christmas lights down, Tim Babb. Now, I know this deep into February, Christmas spirit is getting harder and harder to find out there in the real world, but there must be some magic in this old podcast you found, because when you put it in your ears, the festive cheer abounds. But before we start this sleigh ride going, a little disclaimer up top. As I mentioned in the pre-show intro, the main feature today is about the season of Advent, which is obviously a religious topic. But I want to make it clear, I'm not trying to proselytize or convert anyone to my or any religion. By the same token, I'm also not trying to dissuade anyone from any religion. Basically, this podcast has no agenda vis-a-vis religion. There are plenty that do, and I'm not knocking them, it's just not what I do. I just want to have a few laughs, maybe learn something new, but mostly enjoy some Christmas spirit for a while. If that interests you, then come along on this merry journey as we head into our first segment, We Need a Little Christmas, now! We need a little Christmas now! So the Super Bowl wasn't long ago as of this taping, and we actually watched it this year. No, not because Taylor Swift was there, and no, not because we live in the San Francisco Bay Area and the 49ers were in it. We watched because in this house, we love snacks. And the Super Bowl is a great excuse to sit around all day and eat snacks. And snack we did. Pretzel bites, mini corn dogs, delicious bean dip from our wonderful hosts. But there was one snack that I learned of too late that I thought I'd bring to this show. Basically, it's little cheesy garlic bites grouped together in the shape of a football. But as I looked at the recipe, I thought, if it can be in the shape of a football... It could be in the shape of a Christmas tree or a wreath or a snowman. So basically, I'll tell you how to make them, and you pick whatever Christmassy shape you want to display them in. What you do is you get some cheese sticks and chop them into one-inch pieces. You should get four pieces per stick, so you should use eight sticks and end up with 32 pieces. Then get some pizza dough and divide it into 32 equally-sized blobs. Then you take the cheese pieces and put them in the dough pieces. You roll each one around until you've got a little ball of dough with cheese inside of it. Now you place them on a baking sheet lined with parchment paper. And this is where you arrange them in whatever Christmas-themed shape you'd like. Then brush them with milk or egg wash and bake at 400 for 18 minutes. Then switch to broil for an additional 2-3 to minutes. But during that initial 18 minutes, you'll make the garlic herb butter. 
Get a medium-sized bowl and mix up melted butter, parmesan, garlic, parsley, basil, salt, and pepper. Then, when the dough balls are done, you'll cover them in this garlic herb butter. Be sure to have some marinara on hand for dipping and you're good to go. Now, if you weren't writing this all down as I said it, don't fret. I put a link in the show notes to the food blog Munchin' with Maddie where the original football version is. You can just ignore the part about the football and put it in whatever Christmas shape you want. Now, if you try this, send me a pic of your Christmas creation at christmas at tancast.com or tag the podcast if you post it on Instagram. And now let's hear from one of the other podcasters in the Christmas Podcast Network for our next segment, Five Golden Things. All year, I'm turning my countdown feature over to the other talented and merry hosts in the Christmas Podcast Network. Last time, we had Sean from the Christmas Podcast Podcast on. And if you haven't heard our January episode, I highly suggest checking it out next. But don't go anywhere yet, because this month, we are lucky to have Scott from the Holly Jolly Exmasu Podcast. Take it away, Scott! Greetings, all. I'm Scott Leopold, host of Holly Jolly Exmasu. For each episode, I cover a Japanese Christmas album or selection of songs, delving into the history of the artists and their music. You can find me just about anywhere you find podcasts. For my five golden things, I'm going with my five favorite lesser-known Christmas movies. Number five! Up first is I'll Be Seeing You from 1944, starring Ginger Rogers, Joseph Cotton, and Shirley Temple. I hope to leave you alone. You're just fishing. You want me to ask you to stay? Last. Please stay. Rogers plays a lady who was sent to prison for involuntary manslaughter after her boss tried to assault her and fell out a window. Cotton is a soldier who's been hospitalized for shell shock. They each get a Christmas furlough, meet on a train, fall for each other, then spend the rest of the movie lying to one another to cover up their horrible situations. It doesn't have an entirely happy ending, and it's really not going to fill you with the Christmas spirit, but I get a kick out of watching it each year. Number four. Three Godfathers from 1948 is another one that's not entirely cheery. You're the one that found me. Yes, ma'am. Will you save my baby? Yes, ma'am. I'll save him. And I will help. Me too, ma'am. I want you, all of you, to be my baby's godfathers. Directed by John Ford, it stars John Wayne, Pedro Armendariz, and Harry Carey Jr. They play a trio of outlaws who rob the local bank, lose the money, then stumble across a covered wagon while running from the posse that's hunting them down. Inside, they find the niece of the local sheriff. She's in labor, gives birth to a baby boy, names it after the three criminals, dubs them the baby's godfathers, and makes them promise to take care of him. As they flee across the desert, they encounter one misfortune after another. They don't all make it out, but it's a Christmas movie with the Duke, so you get a somewhat happy ending. Number three. Blue Christmas, Blood Type Blue is a Japanese science fiction movie from 1978. I covered it on my podcast for Halloween of 2021. This is a fairly strange movie about aliens turning people's blood blue and a global conspiracy to wipe out all the blue bloods. It's a fairly heavy-handed allegory about racism and the Holocaust, with a love story woven in and a rock band played by some of the worst actors to ever grace the screen. It's enjoyable overall, though, and it's worth hunting down a copy. Number two. 
We're No Angels from 1955 is one of my favorite movies, regardless of genre. What a beautiful turkey. Where'd you get it? It followed me against my will. Look at all of this. How did a man like you get here? It was easy. I had an air factory. We sold bottled air to people whose doctor advised a change of climate. We had three kinds, sea air, mountain air, and all-purpose air just for breathing. We had a very low overhead. At least you had courage. I didn't take courage to go to jail, just a certain amount of larceny. It stars Humphrey Bogart, Peter Ustinov, and Aldo Ray as a trio of criminals who escape from prison on Devil's Island on Christmas Eve. They stumble into a store and offer to fix the roof, although their actual plan is to murder the family while they sleep, then rob the place and escape the island. Their plans are thwarted by a change of heart and the arrival of the store manager's cousin, played by Basil Rathbone. I won't give away the ending, but it's truly the best Christmas movie about a band of murdering criminals you'll ever watch. Just make sure you watch this one and not the 1989 remake with Robert De Niro and Sean Penn. Honorable Mentions! I do have a pair of honorable mentions. First is Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence from 1983. Do you remember that Christmas? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was a good Christmas, wasn't it? <laughs> It was a wonderful Christmas. I covered this on my podcast last year. It stars David Bowie and Tom Conti as prisoners of war in a Japanese prison camp run by Ryuichi Sakamoto. It's a great movie, but it can be a difficult watch, so I didn't include it in my main list. My second honorable mention is Night of the Comet from 1984. It's the Night of the Comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the Comet. I talked about this with Jerry D. on an episode of Totally Rad Christmas a while back. It stars Catherine Mary Stewart, Kelly Maroney, and Star Trek Voyager's Commander Chakotay, Robert Beltran. If you're looking for a great Christmas sci-fi action movie, you're not going to find one better than this. Number one! My favorite lesser-known Christmas movie is Whit Stillman's 1990 masterpiece, Metropolitan. It's actually surprising to see you at something like this. In your letters, you expressed a vehement opposition to dev parties and to conventional society in general. I take it you've changed your mind. No, I'm just as much opposed to them as I've ever been. Then what made you decide to come tonight? He got an invitation. He's right. I got an invitation and didn't particularly have anything else to do. I think that's the case with almost everybody. No. Nick goes whether he's invited or not. Unlike Tom, I'm in favor of these kind of parties, and I want to show that support however I can. Nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, it follows a group of upper-class young adults during the Christmas and New Year season. When my daughters ask me what it's about, I tell them it's a bunch of spoiled rich kids sitting around talking. It's actually a lot more than that, though, and it features outstanding performances from Edward Clements, Taylor Nichols, and Chris Eichemann, who steals the movie as the pompous but hilarious Nick Smith. This was the first of Stillman's 1980s trilogy, and while I first fell in love with Last Days of Disco, Metropolitan has grown on me over the years and is now my favorite of the three. I hope you enjoyed my list. Again, I'm Scott from the Holly Jolly Xmasu podcast. If you're looking for something different in the way of Christmas music, be sure to check it out. I want to thank Tim for letting me handle this month's Five Golden Things, and thanks to you all for listening. Thank you, Scott, and you'll definitely find a link to the Holly Jolly Xmasu podcast in the show notes of this episode. 
And now, I like to talk about something that you think a podcast called Can't Wait for Christmas would never talk about. The period where we essentially wait for Christmas. Advent. Advent is a time to wait. Not quite time to celebrate. Count the candles one by one. Until Advent time is done. Day by day we work and play. To prepare for Christmas Day. For a lot of people, the most exposure they have to Advent are those calendars with the numbered doors and little chocolates inside. But there's actually quite a bit more to the Advent season. Now, full disclosure, I was raised Catholic and I'm currently raising my boys Catholic. So while I did do research for this, a lot of my knowledge and perspective on Advent is filtered through that lens and things I learned in Sunday school back in the day and Sunday school that I have been in with my sons recently. But the season of Advent is also celebrated by Anglicans, Episcopalians, Lutherans, and other Protestant churches as well. But Advent isn't just a countdown to Christmas. Advent gets its name from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival. Very basically, Advent is about preparing ourselves for the arrival of Christ in three ways. Commemorating the physical arrival, aka his birth at Christmas, embracing his spiritual arrival, meaning in our hearts each day, and the second arrival, aka the second coming, when he returns. A flawed analogy would be like how my wife and kids went on a mini vacation a couple days ago, and I had to make sure the house was in order before they got back. That's kind of what it like preparing for the second coming means in terms of Advent. Now, part of the reason I chose our February show to talk about Advent is that we are currently in the middle of Lent, which is the period leading up to Easter. And Advent used to have a lot more in common with Lent. In fact, it has the nickname Little Lent. In Lent, we fast and abstain from eating meat on Fridays. And back in the early days of the Advent celebrations, that was true of Advent as well. Also, Lent lasts 40 days, and until the 9th century, so did Advent. Now it lasts four weeks. Speaking of how long Advent lasts, while Advent calendars are the most popular expressions of the season, they aren't the most accurate necessarily. Most Advent calendars start on December 1st, but the actual beginning of Advent changes every year and it even depends on who you ask. For Catholics, Advent begins on the Sunday closest to November 30th. And according to Wikipedia, in the Western Rite of the Orthodox Church and in the Anglican, Lutheran, Moravian, Presbyterian, and Methodist calendars, Advent begins on the fourth Sunday before Christmas, which, although phrased differently, seems to be functionally the same Sunday in both cases. So, for 2024, Advent will begin on December 1st. Okay, that really undercuts my point about the calendars being inaccurate. But, if I'd done this podcast in 2022, Advent would have started on November 27th. And in 2025, it will start on November 30th. So, rather than look at the Advent calendar to understand more about Advent, I thought we'd look at another Advent symbol, the Advent wreath. Advent wreaths are not hung on doors or walls like your traditional wreath. They are displayed on an altar or side table in a church, or on a dining table, coffee table, or other flat surface in the home. Like the Advent calendar, the Advent wreath is believed to have originated in Germany. It consists of an evergreen-style wreath with four candles in it, three purple, one pink. The candles represent each Sunday in Advent and all focus on different things. The first purple candle, the prophecy candle, represents hope. It's hope represented in the coming of Christ, but also in the new liturgical year. The second purple candle, lit on the second Sunday of Advent, is the Bethlehem candle, and it represents peace. This Sunday serves as a reminder of Mary and Joseph's journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and the peace that the coming of Jesus would bring to the world. The next candle is the pink candle, or the shepherd's candle, and it represents joy. It commemorates the shepherds who journeyed to Bethlehem to witness Jesus' birth. As they were filled with joy, so too are we. 
The final purple candle lit on the fourth Sunday of Advent is the angel's candle, and it represents love. As in the famous verse John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Now, there actually is one more candle I've yet to mention because it's not universal on all Advent wreaths. It's a special bonus candle. It's a white candle for Jesus that's lit on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So basically, Advent isn't just ticking off the days until Christmas. It's preparing yourself for the coming of Jesus in the world, in your heart, and in our future. Some suggestions for ways to prepare are to do some volunteer work, spend more time at church, spend more time praying, practice extra patience with your friends and family, and speaking more kindly to strangers. Whether you're religious or not, there's probably something in that list or something you think of on your own that will help you spread hope in the season of Advent. Before we go, I'm dusting off an old segment we haven't used in quite a while and bringing it back to see if any of you missed it. Yes, it's the return of Who Sang It Best. So last year we did a lot of Christmas music-related voting in Merry Music Madness. Who won that, by the way? Come on, alleged ghost of Bing Crosby. You know Bing Crosby won. Just checking, baby. Anyway, long before we did that, we used to pair up two versions of a Christmas song sung by two different singers or groups and vote on who sang it best. And that's what we're going to do today with the Christmas song, Run Rudolph Run. So, let's get ready to jingle! In this corner, an artist we've talked about at great length on the podcast for her classic Christmas song, Underneath the Tree. It's Kelly Clarkson! Friends of the show from when we had Jasper from the group talk about how they went from going viral for their version of 12 Days of Christmas to becoming an acapella Christmas staple. It's straight. No chaser. It's Santa to a poor child. What have you been longing for? All I want for Christmas is a rock and roll electric guitar. Head on over to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com to hear full versions of the songs and cast your vote. No matter which one we pick, you can't lose because they're both great. Then tune into our March episode to learn who sang it best. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Now, I was giving you a reminder of all the things awaiting you in the show notes of this episode. The link to the Munchin' with Maddie blog with the recipe for the cheesy stuffed garlic bread rolls. The link to our good friend Scott and his Holly Jolly Ex Masu podcast. And the poll for who sang it best. Hopefully that's enough to keep you busy until I come down your podcast chimney next month. And until then, you believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2024. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. 
If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on the app formerly known as Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! So another reason that I chose this particular episode to do Advent is because this is episode one, two, three. So it's kind of like a counting, kind of like an Advent calendar starts with one, two, three. It's super duper clever. How many of you picked that out before you heard this outtake? How many of you don't care? Wow, that's a lot more hands that are showing up in my imagination. I better stop imagining things because it makes me sad. I know the Christmas spirit. I know the deep in, I know that this deep into February, Christmas spirit is getting harder and harder out there to find. I, you know what? I'm gonna turn off that music because I think it's music. I, I love you, Kristen, and I, I, mean, I can never express how grateful I am for that. Uh, uh, the accordion music that you did for us. But apparently when I'm recording, it throws me off. <laughs> I have it playing in the background. And I love listening to it. That's one of my favorite things about editing the show is I get to hear that at the beginning of the end of the show. It's like a little, I don't know, it's just like a little pick-me-up, a little boost. Uh, but apparently while I'm recording, my brain is like, hey, you're listening to the accordion? Yes, I'm li- but we have to say things. Yeah, but are you listening to the accordion music? Yes, but we have to talk now. Ah, music, brain, shut up. Welcome, you'll believe. Oh, I did that part. The second purple candle lit on the second Sunday of Advent is the Bethlehem candle, and it represent it represents it represents the second purple candle lit on the second Sunday of Advent is the Bethlehem candle, and it pre- oh my goodness it represents Tim not being able to talk. It's the come on get it together candle. The next candle is the pink candle, or the shepherd's candle, and it represents... It represents. It's apparently a hard two-word phrase for me to say.